Thank you for your patience as we reset things. So um, you guys probably know that I've been a musician all my life, and I've been doing stuff like this all my life. I just wanted to shout out to Kelly. Stand up, Kelly. Come here. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Um, that's a little bit out of your element. I mean, Kelly's a, an amazing horn player, but I mean, that doesn't mean you can do everything else in music. So she is really out of her comfort zone and really challenging herself to serve the Lord. So, woo! <laughs> I mean, it's just an incredible example of somebody who's, like I said, just coming out of their comfort zone, not in their spot, but she saw a position that needed to be filled, and she's filling it with gusto. I mean, she's doing things like this. That, to the untrained eye, looks really easy, but man, that was not an easy thing to be doing up here because we are a mess up here, right? I mean, again, I get an amen from the choir, and it's, it's not easy to pull all that together. So thank you for doing it like that, and thank you for doing it with the enthusiasm with which you do it. Um, we are very lucky to have her in our midst. I just wanted to say that out loud because I think it all the time. And we don't say these things out loud enough. And so thank you so much, Kelly. And Diane, where's Diane? Is she still back here? Diane um, has a wounded wing back here. And Diane plays more than most musicians that you will ever see and ever find. And she's not just, um, you know, kind of mulling her way through it. You heard the interlude that she played for us this morning. I mean, she could have just sat back there and played a few Christmas hymns and some things like that. But she said, you know, I want to bring some joy into this congregation. And I want to do it. Uh, with her talent. So thank you so much for doing everything that you do. Big hand, a round of applause for Diane back there. So, um, you know, we got the children's um, program coming up, so I like to do something for them when they are involved. And then uh, some of you got wind of what I do for them, and you said, why don't you do some of that stuff for us, too? So I'm going to give you a little magic trick this morning that I'm going to be giving to the rest of the, to the, um, uh, to the children's after their service. Um, we're working our way through Advent. Advent is the first four weeks, or the four weeks before Christmas. And like I've said before, it's, uh, it's not really an intro to Christmas. It's the beginning of the church year. And we use this Advent wreath back here, and we use it for a specific reason. We just use that. Um, candles uh, kind of represent Jesus. They represent the light of the world. Uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and we light candles every service to remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. But then when he left, he said, hey, you are now the light of the world. You need to be the light of the world, and you need to represent me. So that's what we do, and that's what Advent should be reminding us about and what Christmas should really be reminding us about, the things that he did for us. So the, the four candles represent a couple of different things. This year we're keen on the words that they represent. And the first candle that we, let, uh, that we lit represents the word hope. The word hope in the New Testament is a little bit different. We've talked about this a lot. The word hope in the New Testament represents an expectation, an expectation of something we know is going to happen. You know, I use the illustration of somebody who was lost at sea, who was hoping to make it to morning. Uh, he hoped to survive, right? He didn't hope that the sun was going to come up. We know that that's going to happen. Those are the expectations, the difference between the way we look at hope and the way that the New Testament looks at the word hope. Then the second word we looked at was the word peace. Um, and I use the word, the Hebrew word shalom for that, to talk about how um, the word peace really in Hebrew means to be made complete, to be made whole. And I showed you in five different places in the Old Testament where God says, I will give you a covenant of peace. 
right? When you see that word covenant with God, that means a promise. That means a contract, something he's going to fulfill. So when we understand that he is, our, 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 our contract with him is a contract of peace, then we read into a couple of other verses and a couple other words, um, and we, we probably have recognized and seen and heard before that uh, the verses that God is love, right? Well, we understood now and we read that Jesus is peace in the same way God is love. So when we read in Isaiah about the Prince of Peace coming through, it brings a whole different idea of peace into our minds. Again, peace is not simply the lack of conflict in our lives, right? It's going through those conflicts in our lives and getting through them with that peace of Christ, with that peace of God, that, that God the peace that God gives us. So that's the first two candles, the candle of hope and the candle of peace. Today we're representing the candle of joy. Right? Where's Josh? Man, that was, was that the cutest thing you've ever seen, that Advent reading up there? Guy, you are on every week now, so thank you so much. And <laughs> they're actually going to do it at the second service, too, for me, so, they, so thank you so much. That was, that was excellent. Very well done. Thank you, Michaela. Really well prepared and well done. We talk about the joy candle. All right, so we talk about joy all the time. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. There's a contrast and a difference the way we should be looking at joy and thinking about joy. Sometimes we think of joy as a synonym of happiness, right? Joy is not a synonym of, ha- a synonym of happiness. Happiness is a different kind of word. It's the same root word as the word happenstance, right? We don't use that word anymore, but you understand that that's what happens, right? So often, uh, too often, our happiness is dictated by what happens to us in life. Well, that's not what joy does for us. Joy is the joy of God, the, the joy that God gives us that should not be changed by our circumstances, should not be changed by the things that happen in our lives and the things that go on in our lives. That's the joy of Christ. That's the difference. That's why we talk about the joy to the world, that the joy has come into the world. All right, so now... What are we talking about here? God bases his promises to us. He gives us those covenant promises uh, for a reason. Now, there's another word that we, should, that we should talk about. We don't want to talk about this stuff at Christmas, and I get that. We don't talk about some of these words at Christmas, but we should uh, be feeling a little bit guilty. You know, we should be feeling a little bit guilty. That should be one of the Advent candles, the candle, because that's where we are. We are guilty of sin, right? We are guilty of what's going on in our lives. Now, Advent is a celebration, it's an anticipation of, of the one who is coming. That's what the word Advent means, you know, arrival of a special event or a special person or a special being, right? And so um, I want to talk about Jesus really quick here and what he was bringing into the world. Gabriel came and talked to Joseph there in Matthew 1.21. That's what I'm looking at. I'm trying to find my scripture here. We got that one up here? She, she shall have a son. This is Gabriel talking to, to Joseph. You're to name him Jesus, for he will what? Save his people from their sins, right? Remember John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we see that, that taking away the sin through the world of the world, uh, through all, all the places. But we have to first understand that we are guilty of that, that we are sinners that need to be saved from their sins. Until we can get that idea in our heads, um, the rest of it doesn't really matter. So uh, Romans 3.23, we're probably all familiar with this one, right? All have sinned fall short of the glory of God, right? That word sinned in the Greek is in the aorist verb tense. It means that it, it happened in the past, it's happening currently, and it's going to happen in the future, right? We think, well, we've sinned, and now we sin no more. Uh, no, not so much, 
It's happened in the past to us. It's happening currently in our minds and our, in our, our lives right now. And it's going to happen again. All have sinned and all need to be forgiven from that sin. And so then that brings us to 2 Samuel. Again, we see there uh, that sin is taken away. This is what uh, John the Baptist was talking about. The Lord has taken away your sin. Right? The Lord has taken away, not covered our sin, not, and not just you know, put it off in a corner. He has taken it away. So those are the words that we should be thinking about um, in Advent. We should be thinking about hope. I don't have a hope one here because I didn't have room for them all. We, have, we, have, we should be talking about hope. We should be talking about uh, peace. We should be talking about joy. And we should be talking about how uh, that guilt is in our lives. Okay, now, the other thing we got to talk about is how Jesus um, went into the tomb. This is going to be my tomb here. Jesus went into the tomb to take away the sin of the world, right? Now, he went into the tomb to bring out a lot of other things. Again, we're talking about this at Advent, and we're talking about we have to connect Easter and Christmas. If we don't understand the end of the story, the beginning of the story doesn't make any sense either. So Jesus left us with this. He said, I leave you peace, right? Peace I leave with you, right? And he also said... He said, um, we, we're going to have, holy, we have that joy in our lives, right? He leaves that joy, joy to the world, the Lord has come, right? We're going to sing, we sing all that stuff. So we have peace, we have joy in our lives. Now, the last thing is that guilt that's in here, right? But the guilt, because of Christ, because of what he did for the, on the cross, that guilt is gone. Take away the sin of the world. Now, if you were a seven-year-old or a four-year-old standing up here, what would you say to me? Where'd the guilt go? Where'd the guilt go? It's, it's gone completely. It's not in here anymore, and you don't have to worry about any of this, right? Where did that guilt go? And that, where did our sin go? That's the mystery that doesn't even ever need to be solved. The reason that guilt is gone, though, is because of? Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. See, that's why I don't do this for you guys. Like I said, though, if we don't connect Easter with Christmas, the beginning of the story doesn't make any sense without the end of the story. He came to this world. Gabriel said, are you going to name him Jesus? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. That's the Christmas story. Yes, it happened in Bethlehem. Yeah, we celebrate with all these different things and shepherds and majors and angels and everything. But if we don't connect that with him taking away the sin of the world, then all of this is for nothing. That's what Advent is about. That's what Christmas is about. That's what I want you concentrating on for this next week. And that's really what we're going to be talking about next Sunday on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day, how Jesus takes away the sin of the world. Amen? Amen. All right. Would you please stand with me?